0: My goals is maybe get into real estate also to help my friends do what I've been able to do. There's a lot of them are asking me about it and spend more time with my family. And hopefully grandkids. My daughter's married three years now, so maybe in the near future we'll have grandkids to take care of.
1: Welcome to episode 1309. 1309. We're glad you could join us today. And who is us? It's plural because Adam is here with me. And as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, I found a couple of articles and I said to Adam, you know, we got to talk about these on the show. They're great, but you see the flaws here. And he picked up on it right away. He was kind enough to actually do the math, which uh, took a few minutes to kind of scribble this out on the back of a napkin if you will, but it's going to show you how misleading any media can be if you don't really parse it, if you don't analyze it, and um, uh, really evaluate it with uh, some critical thinking skills. So we're going to talk about these two articles, okay, and and they're the cities losing workers every day, and contrast that with the top 10 states where America's wealthiest Millennials live, and do the comparison. We're going to adjust things for cost of living and such, and population. Yeah, so we'll do that. And we got a couple properties to talk to you about. One of them I think you'll really like if you can get it. Okay, Adam,
0: you ready to roll? Let's roll. Let's we rock a and day. or roll.
1: So let's rock and roll. Okay, just a couple days till profits in paradise. I've been stressing out here, Adam. <laughs> a lot to do, a lot to do, but it's going to be a great weekend. And uh, with that, uh, let's talk about these articles, the cities losing people. Now, this is no surprise. This is the Drudge Report article that we mentioned. The usual suspects, but there are some surprising uh, cities losing people, right?
0: Yeah, I was actually surprised not just in terms of what cities are losing people, But how many people? Obviously, the big cities, you got your New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Bay Area, and Boston, but New York is losing 277 people every day.
1: Are you really saying that people don't like super high cost of living, crowded environment, lots of rats? Well,
0: not anymore.
1: No greenery (laughs) and massively high taxes and loads of government intervention to go with it? They don't like that?
0: Uh, Apparently, they're rebelling against it now. They didn't before, Mm. but they're rebelling against it now. Yep. And, you know, they're losing 277 people a day. LA's losing 201 a day. Chicago is losing 161 a day. I mean, there's a. They're big numbers, but I don't think. I personally don't think it's going to be as bad as this Drudge Report article makes it out to be. But I guess it's always possible.
1: Tell us why you
0: say that. So they interviewed. 1500 Bay Area people and 44% said they're likely to move out of the area in the next few years and 6% said they have definite plans to leave within the next year.
1: Of course when we say Bay Area we
0: mean San Francisco, yeah. greater San Francisco. Yeah, got it. It's easy to say you want to leave it's a lot harder to actually leave. You know, well, if
1: you... that's a good point you know I was like that in Orange County for years. My friends started thinking I was a talker and not a doer after a while because I kept saying I was going to move, leave Orange County and, you know, get out of California. It took me a while.
0: Yeah, (laughs) It took me a while. Yeah, and there was a Gallup poll that found that 80% of Americans live in urban areas, but only 12% said they want to live there. And when they were asked where they would live if they had their choice, the top response was a rural area. And let me tell you, as somebody who lives near and has family in rural areas, living in a rural area sounds great until you live in a rural area, especially <laughs> if you're from a big city. yeah, yeah, it really is kind of overrated now
1: one one thing I want to say about that that's interesting, and you know when we talk about city or urban and we talk about rural, you know, there are many degrees, there are, well, 50 shades of gray, right? Uh, As to all of those, uh, to use a cliche. City, I mean, does that include, you know, when someone says that to me, I picture high-rise office towers and apartment towers, and I picture New York City or downtown LA. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what comes to my mind. Downtown San Francisco could be another one. That's the city city. But I don't know, is... Irvine, California, a city, um, well, I mean, a, a city in that respect, of course, it is an incorporated city. You know, it's it's suburbia, most people would say, but heck, uh, it's not very burbish in a lot of ways either. There are various degrees to that, right? right?
0: But yeah. when you hear rural, you usually think, you know... Cows. <laughs> yeah, cows. Yeah, right. And it's just, you look at the cities they're coming from, and I don't think a lot of these people when they were responding were thinking about what you have to give up when you move to rural areas like you're giving up your restaurants aren't going to be nearly as good or anywhere near you you're not going to have as much entertainment your internet's usually not as good your cell phone service is usually spotty at best so I mean, so
1: you mean people aren't going to settle for McDonald's Applebee's and Wendy's
0: yep Right actually okay. sometimes even uh, Wendy's is a little too fancy for these areas.
1: <laughs> well, but but they always have an Applebees or something like that and I got to tell you that food is just so boring. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's going to also require more companies to get on board the if they don't want to leave the job market that they're in, it's going to require more companies to fully embrace remote working, which is happening a little bit. But some companies are willing to let you work outside the office, but not necessarily outside the office hundreds of miles away where you're never going to come in. You know right. That still needs to be embraced more before I think a big shift can even possibly happen.
1: And that trend was famously reversed several years ago. When former Yahoo CEO Marissa Meyer came aboard and said, Look, I want people to come into the office. We gotta turn this company
0: around. Now she didn't accomplish <laughs> her, her goal at all. She came in saying a lot of things and left not having done a lot of those things. So. Well,
1: you know, hey, it's there's a lot of circumstances that are not, not necessarily within her control. I don't I don't know about her tenure that much. But she kind of wanted to reverse that remote working trend and you know I could see her point. However, what's kind of interesting is I I mentioned on a prior episode about John Nesbitt. And he is the author of all those megatrends books. And I really love futurist books and, you know, Faith Popcorn, John Nesbitt, Alvin Toffler, and there are others, of course, you know, and we've had many on the show over the years. John Nesbitt talked about that big technology. Remember, I told you, it was just maybe a week ago, Federal Express, FedEx, that would allow him to live in Telluride, a mountain resort town, well, all of his co-workers or, or competitors had to, you know, live in New York City and slug it out there. Uh, and it was a much better life that he had because of technology. And now, of course, the technology is electronic and, and digital and much better. But the interesting thing he pointed out is he said that the trend, the commute trend might reverse. See what you think about this. He said that people would live in the more rural environment where they wanted to live. And they would actually commute to the cities on the weekend and go and take advantage of the restaurants, the arts, the attractions of the city. He envisioned this reversal, whereas always throughout history, it's been people go into the city to work and then they leave and stay out in the more rural area at their home for the weekend. Mm-hmm. He predicted a reversal of that. I'm not sure it's happened, but it's interesting to think of what you know this guy said some 30, 35 years ago.
0: And I think with the outflow of people from these you know, highly cyclical markets, I think it's going to be better served for real estate and hybrid markets. I don't think you're going to see as many of them. You'll see some of them, but not as many of them flowing into our linear markets. But mm-hmm. I think for those of you who were able to invest in like your Austin's or your, you know, Atlanta's or some of the markets that have become hybrid, Mm -hmm. I think it could be really good for those markets just because a lot of people are willing to go from the attractions of New York and LA and come down to, you know, the hybrid levels, you know, not the huge, massive professional shows, but, you know, just your regional shows maybe, but they're not willing to ditch everything and go Mm -hmm. to you way more rural areas. Yeah, yeah. So you've
1: got kind of an in-between uh, yeah. there. Well, you know, speaking of that, why don't we uh, shift gears for a moment before we get to your stats and before we talk about this second article of where these wealthy millennials live. And let's talk about a couple of properties real quick. Okay. Uh, how's that sound? That um, sounds great. How about if I talk about mine first? I really think
0: the listeners are going to like this one. Well, why don't we flip that, and let me start real quick, because I have a house in Memphis that is pretty good. It's pretty good. Right. All so right, right now, you go first. There's a three-bed, one-bath in Memphis available. It's uh, $85,000. So if you put 25% down, that's just a little over $20,000. You're looking at 21250 two fifty. We have an interest rate of 4.75% figured in, but right now, who knows? You could get better if you have some good credit and possibly pay a point. The rent is just under our 1%, not quite getting 1% all the time, so we're looking at $825 for rent, a cash flow of $179 a month, and that is factoring in a vacancy rate of 8%, management fee of 8%, maintenance of 8%, and you're getting a cash on cash return that's uh, average or slightly above average of 8%, and a total return of 32%. So, Jason, can you beat that property?
1: Well, you know, here's the thing. The Performa's a little different, but I think I can beat it. I think I can beat it. Do you know what year that one was built? It was
0: built in 1959.
1: 1959. The Leave it to Beaver era. Okay. <laughs> so this house, and I. by the way, I have to tell you, I posted this on Facebook. And so far, I've only received five likes and five comments, but I did receive... Property did get two shares. And here's the deal this is in Indianapolis. It's an REO, real estate owned by a bank. Okay. It was built in 2002. It's a four bedroom, two and a half bath. It's 2,424 square feet, 2,424. And um, it is priced, you ready, folks? It's priced at $78,000. Remember, this is a 2002 house. It's pretty new, and it's over 2,400 square feet. Now, the Performa here is a little different than yours because it's based on 25% down. Yeah, So that does skew. Ours is based on 25%. Oh, it is. Okay, all right, okay. I I was going to say, I thought yours was based on 20, and it's going to skew the numbers slightly. So this $78,000 house in Indianapolis, built in 2002, just over 2,400 square feet, priced at $78,000, the projected rent, is 1195 The price per square foot is only $32. I think the phones are ringing off the hook now at 1-800-HARTMAN. You can call 1-800-HARTMAN. That's our main number. And you can, I think, press two for an investment counselor, get a hold of any of our investment counselors, or just go to jasonhartman.com. So 32 bucks a square foot, And I know some of you are thinking, what's wrong with this deal, right? (laughs) I get it. Hang on. We're not done yet. Projected cash flow is $443 per month, 443. The debt coverage ratio, which is that ratio we don't talk about much, but that's really how likely is it that you would ever get into trouble with this property ratio? That's what I call it. Okay. It's 2.5, 2.5. Meaning that you're going to make two and a half dollars for every dollar of debt, basically. So you're very unlikely to ever run into a problem with this, this property. The cap rate is 11.4% on the pro forma. The cash on cash return is projected at 14%. That's a little okay? higher than mine. Yeah. And um, everything else is, you know, probably got the same assumptions as yours. Actually, those assumptions are driven actually by a more conservative appreciation rate of only 4%, a vacancy rate of typical 8% one month per year, management fee of 8%, and a maintenance percentage of 4%, which is probably quite a bit higher than it really will be. On my Facebook post, I wrote in the comments, I just said, you can't beat my company's deals with a caveman's club. Yeah, I'm very good copywriter, aren't I? <laughs> Look at these projections. 11.4% cap rate, 14% cash-on-cash, cash, 24% ROI. Now, the ROI is lower than yours because of the high maintenance and the more conservative appreciation rate. So, Adam, you want to know what's wrong with my deal?
0: Yeah, there's something wrong with your deal.
1: Yeah, there's, you, you smell a rat, don't you? <laughs> well... The rat on the deal is, I did say I posted it on Facebook, but I posted it back on October 23rd of 2012.
0: So there's so, the rub. The rub is it's unavailable.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it came up on my Facebook memories today, memories from seven years ago. <laughs> and then there you go. So I almost didn't want to talk about this today because I you know, thought for surely it's going to discourage some people. But sometimes that discouragement should be a kick in the pants because the old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and then wait. Only seven short years have passed. Sadly, I have lost quite a bit of hair since then, but you know, mostly I'm feeling pretty much the same and so are you. Hopefully you haven't lost any hair. I, I know I have, but you know, seven years goes by in the blink of an eye, okay? Okay. And one of our clients bought this property. I don't know which one. We should we should figure that out and ask him to come on the show. Because, you know, in seven years from today, you're going to be thinking, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I would have purchased some of those properties in 2019. I just bet you you'll be saying that.
0: Don't be uh, at Meet the Masters and listening to Jason's closing reluctant investors lament and thinking, yeah. oh, that was me seven years ago. Right,
1: exactly, exactly. Because that was written by Donald Wheel in 1977 when he thought everything was so overpriced. Income property is an amazing asset class. Just stock up on it and wait. Deal with the the trials and tribulations. You're definitely going to have some. That's life in any endeavor like I talked about yesterday. But, you know, you'll be amazed how quickly seven years goes by and how how much that has enhanced your wealth? Imagine if you bought ten of these properties seven years ago. It's so interesting, Adam, that I only got a few comments and a, a few likes on that. Whatever I said, uh, I think it was six, six comments and five. Not likes. nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Today, if I posted that property, in fact, I should do that. Boy, if it were April Fool's Day, I would definitely <laughs> do it. I, I should post it like it's a current deal, and I bet I'll get seventy-eight likes tons of comments and tons of interest. Oh yeah. Wanting to buy that property. So don't be the shoulda, coulda, woulda person. Okay.
0: And we've talked, we've talked internally recently about trying to get the investment counselors to tell us when a brand new investor purchases their first property. And we're kind of getting in the process of getting that ball rolling. But I want to throw a hearty congratulations on getting started on the investment journey out to one of my clients that is Romera. She recently closed on her very first deal. So she
1: she is not
0: waiting any longer. Awesome. And so, you know, if you haven't, reach out to us, get an investment counselor, buy your first, and you'll hear your name on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Congratulations, Romera. That's awesome. Thank you for your business. And uh, we are here to offer you lifetime support. As long as we're around, we are happy to support you with your property. You know, if you need something three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now, whatever, just always reach out to us, which reminds me of another thing that I didn't directly say on yesterday's episode when I was ranting about, you know, how you gotta be a little fierce sometimes, right? And, you know, fight the battles, fight the good fight, as the words from that triumph song go. Don't just pay for things because someone presents you an invoice. You know, that came up because I was talking with Sarah about one of our clients, and she says, you know, this client called and they were discouraged about their property, and as she started talking to them about it, you know, they just paid a $2,000 invoice for something. And she says, you know, I just wish you would have called me first. I would have told you not to pay that. I would have cut that invoice way down. And that's the thing. You know, just because someone places an invoice or a quote for some service, repair, whatever in front of you, doesn't mean you have to agree to it. Okay? (laughs) Shop around for everything always okay that's life all right adam you want to get back and we've got to look at the the adjusted numbers on this study now in the interest of time we looked at the numbers you did the analysis relates to the next article right
0: yes yes it does all the millennials
1: so this is a business insider article about the top 10 states where the wealthiest millennials live keep in mind that the prior article was about cities not states but you get the idea, okay? These things are broad strokes, okay? So, so relax, okay? Don't agonize over too much detail. They're just broad, a broad look at things. And what's interesting about this is that several of our markets are in here, where wealthy millennials live. Number 10 is Maryland, okay? Number nine is Illinois. And we've got properties in those markets. There are some others in here. Uh, Texas, of course, we have. And we'll skip things like Massachusetts and some of the others, but we do have Florida on the list. So talk to us about the math that you did.
0: Right. So first off, we need to start with the overall number, and that's total number of millennial millionaires. And right now, they are estimating that's about 618,000.
1: Okay, so there's a lot of millennial millionaires, 618,000 who are, depending on how you look at the demographic cohort, uh, between the ages of like, I don't know. 23 and 40 now right about there
0: somewhere in that range yeah that sounds about right so we got the top 10 states and they are just to list them off and this is from fewest percentage to highest percentage you got maryland illinois virginia new jersey washington the state not dc texas massachusetts florida new york and california so they have them via percentages. And we thought, you know, that isn't quite fair. No, it's, it's know,
1: ridiculous. So here's California what they,
0: has a few yeah. more people than, say, yeah, it, Illinois or ab, ab, absolutely. New Jersey. Leading.
1: Okay, so so let's just explain what they did. So they took these different states and they looked at what percentage of all the millennial millionaires, the 618,000, live in each of the states. They didn't take the percentage as a per capita of the state's population. So the Jason Hartman question is compared to what, right? (laughs) And they're comparing it to an absolutely arbitrary thing. Okay, so if your whole sample is just the 618,000 millennial millionaires— Then you want to know where most of them live? Okay, fine, but that doesn't tell you anything You got to compare it to the 40 million people that live in California Versus the much lower population of say Maryland or Whatever, so that's that's what I asked you to do and you just jumped in and did it (laughs) And so now we've got a correct analysis, don't we?
0: Yes So the state that has the highest percentage of millennial millionaires is Massachusetts, They Hmm. have 0.45% of the state's population are millennial millionaires. And the state in the top 10 that has the least is Texas, because out of the 29.2 million people in the state, only 0.11% are millennial millionaires.
1: Okay, so if you just read this article on the face of it, you're going to think, well, all the millennial millionaires are in California,
0: right? Well, they are the number wise number wise they are percentage wise but, but it's a meaningless so number yeah
1: <laughs> it, it's like who cares of the percentage of millennial millionaires you have to compare it to the population of the state as a whole that's the meaningful number yeah and the and article didn't address that at all
0: no they didn't and then i looked at i said okay well that's the percentage of pe- millennial millionaires in each state so but then i thought you know what even that doesn't yeah. really it matter it doesn't tell what, you what no. what is a million dollars Right. So I went in it's and different. I found um, state. It's like a cost of living adjustment website, and they don't list specific cities. So all I did is I went into each state and I looked at the cost of living adjustment to New York. Right. From so New York was my basis. So in New York, a million dollars is a million dollars, and then I found the largest city in each state and just adjusted it based on that.
1: Okay. So basically, what you did is you applied inflation induced cost of living destruction, (laughs) okay, Uh, to that number, which is the accurate thing to do, because, hey, does anybody remember the famous Craigslist gold digger? We did a blog post about this at jasonhartman.com when it came out years ago, because it was so funny. This was all over the news media. And basically, it was this beautiful self-described woman in in New York City that said she wanted to meet a guy that made at least $500,000 a year, and she rightly said, because, hey, $500,000 a year in New York isn't that much. Yeah. She, she was right, okay? <laughs> and so if you're a millennial millionaire in Texas versus New York, that's a huge difference in yeah. what it means. I mean, you really shouldn't even be considered a millionaire <laughs> in New York or you should be considered a DECA millionaire in Texas, maybe, right? <laughs> DECA meaning 10, and it's probably not that much. But Yeah, it's not but, quite that much. Yeah, it's not, it's not that significant. But yeah. what you did in this adjustment is really enlightening.
0: Yeah, so if you're a New York millionaire and you want to move to a city that has a lot of other millionaires, you can move to, and be rich, you can move to Baltimore, Maryland, and have $2.125 million in adjusted money
1: yeah so, so basically you double your money by moving mm-hmm. from New York to Baltimore
0: yeah, and then you take Jacksonville, Florida, and you have one point nine million and we actually have properties in yeah. Jacksonville Florida so you double it Houston. again yes. yeah and then Houston is still one point nine million Houston, Texas mm-hmm. yeah. Virginia Beach is one point around one point eight million yeah. Chicago is right around one point seven five New Jersey is one and a half million l a you're at one and a third mm-hmm. Boston. You're at 1.15 million. And Seattle, you're right around 1.1 million. And then New York, you're at 1 million. So yeah. there is a massive discrepancy.
1: You know what's actually surprising to me on here is Seattle. Yeah. I'm, I'm
0: it, yeah <laughs> I was a little surprised at that, too. But yeah, they yeah. said it was, uh, you know, every 92 cents in Seattle is a dollar in New York, which was.
1: That's actually really quite shocking. Yeah. I would think LA would be right after New York on the expensive. No, LA
0: is number four.
1: Yeah. Got it's Boston in between them. Yeah, yeah. That's quite surprising. Maybe that massive minimum wage increase uh, several years ago in in Seattle just caused the cost of living to go up and created a lot of inflation. So, you know, imagine that. But (laughs) very interesting. So, again, the article tells you the percentage of millennial millionaires compared to the overall number of millennial millionaires. Adam's analysis told you the percentage of millennial millionaires compared to the population of the state. And then after that, he did the analysis to adjust, are you really a millionaire there? What does being a millionaire mean? Again, it's the difference between nominal, meaning in name only, and real, meaning what does it really do for you? It's just a big difference.
0: Yeah, in Baltimore and Maryland especially, that's number 10 on the list. That only has, you know, as they say, 2%. Now, as I mentioned before, it has a really higher rate of 0.2% of the total population. But it's the least percentage according to their list, but it's if you have a million dollars, you have over 2 million dollars compared to New York. Right. So, I mean, right. it's these things, you know, if you look at what number they are in terms of how much money you really have versus the list. It's all over the place. I mean, it's bouncing around left and right.
1: It is. It is. And, you know, it's interesting because with technology, you can move and vote with your feet much more easily. The place I would choose to live out of everything on that list is I would either choose to live in Jacksonville, Florida, because you have no state income taxes, or Houston, Texas, also no state income taxes, and invest in all the right places, right? (laughs) So... I would argue that your quality of life in Jacksonville would be substantially better than your quality of life in New York, Seattle, Boston, Los Angeles, my hometown, Newark, Chicago, Virginia Beach, and Baltimore. (laughs) It beats all of those, if you ask me.
0: (laughs) Uh, And if you look at where the millionaires, you know, we talked about workers leaving, And so if you look at, you know, if they're leaving New York and leaving L.A., like we discussed earlier in the show, where are they going to go? Well, if you think millionaires like to be around millionaires, let's say, you know, you end up dealing with people who are in roughly your same social wealth strata. And you look at this top 10 list as, hey, where are they likely to go? You can kind of judge based on that of if there are, you know, 30,000 millennials in Florida, would they move there? Well, if there's 30,000 millennials in Florida and you want to go hang out with them, and then you realize when you move there, your million dollars has turned into almost two million dollars, yeah, they're going to want to move there. But, you know, if you're in New York, are they going to be moving to Seattle? Probably not, because it'll still be their million dollars. So, I mean, you can kind of look at it based on that as well as, you know, where are they and how likely are they to continue moving there?
1: Yeah, really, really good points. Good points. Very enlightening. I'm glad you did that analysis, Adam. Uh, I guess we should. Yeah, yeah, the math <laughs> the math was uh, very enlightening. It, it certainly was. And I guess we should wrap it up for today. If you want to grab a last minute ticket to Profits in Paradise, we had uh, a couple people grab them yesterday. We'd love to see you come and join us. Okay, we have room to knock out the back meeting tables in the room, and, and add some some more seating. So let us know. Go to jasonhartmanlive.com and grab that last-minute ticket, jasonhartmanlive.com. This event is only once a year. We will see you in Orlando this weekend. We've got a property tour before that as well, and that'll be great. We're looking forward to it, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow we got a 10th show, right, Adam?
0: Yes, we do, with Lawrence Suskind.
1: All right, and so 10th episode show tomorrow and then flashback Friday, and then we will be back with our regular programming on Monday. Until tomorrow, happy investing.